But let's just thank the Lord for a moment. Lord, you are worthy, and we give you praise. We thank you for coming into this house, and we thank you for those that you've put in our paths, Lord, to guide us and direct us to you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your name. We thank you for your blood and your sacrifice. We thank you for the opportunity we have for an eternity with you. I pray that your word would touch our hearts today and that we would be set on fire, that we would hold fast to what you've given us and that we would walk in your holy truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to start out with a story today. In the middle of the 1800s, the most famous tightrope walker in the world was a man called the Great Blondin. Blondin was famous for crossing Niagara Falls on a tightrope, and people came from all over the world to watch him perform the feat. On one such occasion, Blondin, known for his showmanship, called out to the crowd, I am the Great Blondin. Who believes I can cross over Niagara Falls on this tightrope. And the crowd was excited and said, we believe, Blondin, we believe. And uh, next, Blondin pulled out a handkerchief from his back pocket, tied it around his head, said, I'm the great Blondin. Who believes I can cross over Niagara Falls on this tightrope while blindfolded? The crowd, more jazzed up than before, cried out, we believe, Blondin, we believe. Then Blondin whisked away a sheet and revealed a wheelbarrow standing behind him. He called out once more to the ecstatic crowd, I am the great Blondin who believes I can cross over Niagara Falls on this tightrope blindfolded while pushing the wheelbarrow. And the crowd was practically roaring now. We believe, Blondin, we believe. Finally, Blondin summoned the crowd to silence and spoke once more, I am the great Blondin. Now who wants to get into the wheelbarrow? And no one made a sound. So many people say they believe, but few are willing to trust. Few are willing to trust. So I really like this analogy of the tightrope. So think about this with me. The gap in this life, so that's this side of the, this ledge to that ledge between the tightrope is this, that space is time. And and this is eternity, and that's eternity. And this is the time we have in our life, is that gap. The tightrope is like the Word of God. Consider it the lifeline that will get you to the eternity that you're looking for. And consider Jesus, the great Blondin. So the, that gap, that gap. We've only got, I mean, we've got a rope to cross. Don't get me wrong, but... There's an eternity, and it's, it's going to matter when we get there. And let Jesus bring you through it as you walk on the Word. So our eternal state, it's determined by our faith in Jesus and our willingness to live according to the Word of God. That's what we need. We need faith in Jesus. I mean, sometimes you might look over the wheelbarrow and you'll be afraid. So trusting the Lord, yeah, it can be nervous, but it's also safe. Trust in the Lord and trust in his word. So staying upright through this life while you're trying to, trying to do that, it requires a balance. So um, I love, I have this word in my notes that was talked about this morning. Stewardship and responsibility are necessary to keep that balance. So uh, as we learned this morning from Brother Reese's message, a good steward is, is given something that he has to take care of. 
And we're given a life, we're given. God blesses us with people in our lives. Sometimes we have dependents, sometimes um, we have income that we have to manage, and we need to be a good steward. And that's keeping a good balance in life. Sometimes we can overdo things, and, and that can really throw us off at times. So keep a good balance. Also, hold on to the truth. So in, in the analogy we're using of a, a tightrope, you need to stay on that rope or you're a goner. So in fact, more than just staying on top of it, I would take a clip and hook it onto the line. In case you get a little bit uneasy in life and you slip, you're still tethered to the Word of God. So you need to clip in. You need to get some of that Word in there so that there's something there to hold you in those waves. Some, when there's a little bit of imbalance in life, you've got something clipped on to the Word of God. So hold on to the truth. And then keep the end post, you know, eternity in sight. So we need the right perspective in this life. Oftentimes we might just be looking at this spot we're on or, or the goal that we want to achieve, but really our eternal destination is the thing that's going to matter most. And it really helps you. If you lift up your eyes, you're going to be able to keep that balance better. You'll stay on the truth. And you'll be going in the right direction. And then finally... You just got to keep moving forward. Focus will get you there. Winning the battle of the mind will get you there. Stick with it because winners never quit. You know, even when your feet are starting to hurt on that line, if you, if you, if you stick with it, you know, eventually the calluses will build up and you'll, you'll be able to handle more than you did before. So keep moving forward one step at a time and keep trusting the Lord. So... This analogy, God's all through it. So our tightrope, or the life, a lifeline, if you will, uh, is the Word of God. At the same time, Jesus is the one who brings us through. We'll make it, but we need God and the Word to do so. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we can, we can break up analogies because... God has so many perspectives. That's why he can be the line, and he can be the one holding the wheelbarrow, and he's the one who's holding the end post in eternity. It's because Jesus is God. The word is God. It's all in him, and even we have come from him, and we will return to him. As, as we learned this morning with stewardship, even this life, even the breath that we have is, on, is lent to us from the Lord. So today I want to talk to you about holding fast to the Word of God, which is our lifeline. So we need to do two things. What are those two things? Be willing to hear God's Word and be willing to obey God's Word. Hearing God's Word requires us to pause all other voices in our life. There's a lot of things coming in. A lot of thoughts that we generate. Okay, what do I want to do with my life? Okay, what's my next goal? Or someone in our family, they say, oh, you should pursue this. Or, or you're good at this. You should, you should get as much money as you can doing this, and that's your goal in life. Well, there's a lot of voices we hear, and some of them might be good advice, and some might not be. So that's why we need to pause the voices in our life and hear God's word. Also, be willing to obey God's word. So obedience to God's word requires a little more. It requires us to set aside our life ambitions. It says, okay, 
this, this is what I wanted to do, but I'm going to obey what I've heard instead. Let's read Matthew 7, 24 through 25. It talks about hearing and obeying. So these are the words of Jesus. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. If you continue reading, it talks about the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And both men, the foolish and the wise, experienced the same wind, the same storm, the same trials. But it was where they built their house that determined whether they stood or fell. That's why we need the Word of God. That's why you got to get clipped into that, that, uh, that tightrope in life. Because the winds are coming. And the, you've already felt wind. And each of us faces challenges in life. We get news of loved ones. We, we get doctor's reports. We experience things at work. We experience things that are not good or things that might concern us. But that's, that's the wind and the rain. So you got to make sure you're on solid ground because then you'll make it through. And you got to remember, those are winds, those are rains that are coming, but there's, there's a time when that's going to be over. And if we stand strong, we will be there. We'll be on the other side. Matthew 10, 39. This talks about the obedience part that we were discussing. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake, we'll find it. This takes some of us longer than others. But we will pursue what we think is valuable in life. And if that is what we grasp onto and live for and give everything towards, our time, our energy, our Monday, every, every, give our hearts to, we're going to realize at the end that that's nothing compared to our eternal soul's value. But he who loses his life for, for God's sake, for my sake, will find it. So that's when we set aside, okay, Lord, this is what I was pursuing, but I know that now, now that I've heard your word, now that I've read your word, now that there's been a word spoken by authority in my life that says this is what I need to be doing, I'm going to set my life aside and pursue what you want me to. And you're going to find your life, and you will find more passion than you had prior. So we've already discussed the analogy of a tightrope being God's word. And let's dig into the word and see, uh, see someone who literally walked on the word of God. We talked about the analogy, but there's a scripture that we're going to dig into where someone actually walked on the word of God. Let's read Matthew 14. We're going to read about 11 scriptures, and we'll take our time. Matthew 14, 22 through 33. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening was come, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. So did God send the disciples into the sea? 
He did. Were they in his will when they were out in the boat on the water? They were. Did they experience challenges? They did. So you can be following the will of God and face challenges, but don't abandon his will. Don't, don't give up for fear. Let's keep reading. Uh, verse 25. Now in the fourth watch of the night, so that was after three people were staying up watching in the night, so it, it had been a while, Jesus went to them walking on the sea, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost, and they cried out for fear. So the disciples experienced something supernatural, but they didn't quite recognize it for what it was. So even if you're up watching, you might see something, see God moving. Uh, you might not fully recognize it, and you might be fearful. And that's when you got to just hang on to the word that you were given and lean into what the Lord is trying to do in your life. So this, this is when all the disciples are afraid. They, saw, they thought they saw a ghost. So I assume Jesus wasn't, you know, as, as far as the speaker is to them, because they would have known it was Jesus. He was probably a good ways off, and they were just keeping an eye out because there's a storm, and they don't want to hit, um, hit land or hit another boat or anything. So they're, they're keeping an eye out, and they see something a ways away, and they're like, that, there's something over there on the water. It can't be, I don't, I don't think it's a person. Who, who'd be, who could be standing on a, a flat raft that we can't even see? So they recognize that's got to be something supernatural. And, and that's when they had to lean in, in in faith. And they were talking among themselves. And let's see what happens in the scripture next. Verse 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. So you might be on those crazy waters, and Jesus might not show up until the fourth watch of the night. But don't worry, he has not forgotten you. He was already on his way walking on the water for a while. And be of good cheer, which is synonymous with be of good courage. Uh, it was interesting looking at some of the, uh, the wording in Scripture. Be of good cheer doesn't only necessarily mean be happy, but it means take heart. It means have courage, don't be afraid. He was saying, have faith. So he encourages them to look beyond the physical circumstances. And it's, uh, he, he was saying, have courage. And the definition of courage, anyone know the definition of courage? It's the ability to do something that frightens you. The ability to do something that frightens you. So it's God's will for us to overcome our fear by doing the things that we typically might be paralyzed by. So when you're, when you're leaning in and saying, I think God is working in this area, and he speaks and says, take heart, be of good courage, be not afraid, be of good cheer, it is I, the Lord. Then you can answer in confidence like Peter did in verse 28. He said, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So Peter believed God, and he desired to act courageously. And he also sought a word of divine confirmation. He didn't want to jump the gun too quick, so he, even though Peter's good at jumping the gun, he did ask real quick, command me to come to you on the water, and I'm there. 
So, verse 29, so he said, come. All you need is one word from the Lord. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So Peter went beyond the physical limitations by entering into a higher dimension of the Spirit. He operated in faith. It was the word of Jesus in alignment with the obedience of Peter that made something impossible possible. That's what we're saying again. It was the word of Jesus in alignment with the obedience of Peter that made something impossible possible. Again, he heard the word and he obeyed. And the winds, the sea, they couldn't stand up to what the divine faith of Peter in the supernatural God could do. So verse, verse 30, but when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. So here's Peter. He literally walked on the word of God. So this is the formula that we have when, when, when this can happen. There's the word of God plus our obedience equals an overcoming life. If you take the word of God and add to it your obedience, you will overcome. It might not be in the timing you might have expected, but it's coming. It's coming. We talked this morning about faithfulness of stewards, and he is the only one found faithful. So if you have a word from the one who is, his character is pure faithfulness, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Your obedience will pay off. It will. I bet Peter was nervous. <laughs> he had the word, and, and that obedience required him to take some major risks. I mean, he could probably swim, but in that storm, who knows if he would have made it. So he was willing to obey, and wow, did he overcome. He overcame. And even when he did take that leap of faith, he was walking in faith saying, okay, the Lord said, come, and I'm coming. He's looking at Jesus, and he's walking. And then his his eyes shifted from Jesus to the waves and the wind and the sea, and he started to sink because he, he wasn't holding as tightly onto the word. He wasn't solely focused on, okay, God said, come and I'm coming. He didn't only have his eyes on Jesus. He was looking at the circumstances around him. But he was, he was clipped onto that, that lifeline. He was clipped onto that tightrope because when he slipped, he, he didn't drown. He called out to Jesus, and he was right back up. So that's my encouragement for you today. You might be facing some wind, some waves, some storms. There might be things in your life that say that you're going to God and say, I can't handle this anymore. I'm overwhelmed. I don't even know what to do. I've tried to do the right thing and look at how it's going. And, and God, I'm just going to try to stick with your word and be faithful. And it's going to pay off. If you hold on to the word of truth, he's going to carry you through. He knows your limitations. He can cover that. He can pick you up and carry you over the, the gap that you need to get across. He'll bring you through. He will bring you through. So we talked about uh, the wind was boisterous and he was afraid. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said unto him, Oh, you little faith, why did you doubt? And got in the boat, and the wind ceased. So if you don't remember anything from the sermon today, it's keep your eyes on Jesus, cling to his word,
Don't allow the chaos of life to distract you. And when you doubt, cry out to Jesus and have faith in his word. And then the final verse of that passage is verse 33. When those who were in the boat came, oh, then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. So because of Peter's sensitivity to Jesus' words, to be of good cheer and courageously walk in faith, the disciples were lifted in their faith and they worshiped God. So our takeaways from this story, disciples of Christ, they faced challenges. They didn't understand who was near to them. And sometimes you might recognize the spiritual but not understand everything about it. They didn't realize it was a man on the water until a little bit later. They feared because of the physical and supernatural. But Jesus called towards them to have courage and faith. And, and Peter acted in faith. He doubted, but he cried for help. And then the disciples experienced Jesus who brought the miraculous and brought peace on the water. Here's a question for you. What made Peter walk on the water? What made him walk on the water? It was faith in the words of Jesus. That's all he had. What else did he have to walk on the water with? He didn't have those floaty shoes or anything. All he had was the words of Jesus, and that's all he needed. That's all he needed. Without allowing his environment to make him doubt, he said, okay, I'm doing it, and he did it. Similar question, what made Abraham willing to sacrifice Isaac? What made Noah Keep building the ark. Why didn't David kill Saul or give up on his anointing when it didn't come to pass for probably many years? Why, why did Jesus follow through on the cross? I think it was their willingness to focus on God's word and to obey. They didn't give up on it. They had a death grip on the word and on their mission and on the purpose God had them in the flesh on this earth for, and they obeyed through to the end. So today, this message is for those who have questioned their value, their purpose, their ability to function in the chaos of life. It's for those concerned about the way this world is going and what we should do about it. There's times when all of us may not be able to make sense of things. So where do we turn? Turn to the Word of God. It's the only thing stable. This world passes away, but what will remain? God's Word. But let's, let's dig into some scriptures on that, because I want you to know how solid the Word of God is. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And we already read Matthew 7, 24 through 25. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And when the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. That's the words of God. That is the rock for which we build on. So what building material on this earth will stand strong forever? I mean, we've got some good carbon fiber out there, but they're not going to last compared to the word of God. When everything around you is chaotic, focus on the truth. What does it look like to always be holding fast to the word of God? Well, let's read in Psalm 1, verse 2. 
This is talking about a blessed man. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth, forth fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So do you struggle with feeling like you're good enough? Or you doubt your success or your value? Sometimes it's easy to get discouraged. But if you are doing this, start meditating on the word, on the law of the Lord day and night. And what will happen? You'll prosper. You will prosper. Stay consistent. And in due season, it will happen. Jesus spoke of the world of the word not passing away, but promises and prophecies from God will be fulfilled. Let's read Matthew 5, 17 and 18. Do not think that I came to destroy the law and the prophets. This is Jesus speaking. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly I say unto you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or tittle will by no means pass from the law until all is fulfilled. So every word of God that is in the Bible will happen, will be fulfilled. And Jesus came to fulfill it. This world will pass. He said, heaven and earth, yep, that is going to pass, but my word will not. No letter of the law will pass away. It will all be fulfilled. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. So when you feel overwhelmed, turn to the word. Turn to Jesus and throw all your concerns on him. You'll make it through. Hebrews 12, 2. And this is, this is where we fix our gaze on Jesus. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Keep your eyes fixed. Look unto Jesus. Just, and, and look at his example of endurance. You might have to endure some things, but it's not going to compare what he has endured for us. You might have to sacrifice some things here and there, things that you used to enjoy. You say, okay, I'm going to set that aside and put my energy towards what God wants me to do. He's going to bless you, and it's no sacrifice compared to what he sacrificed. When you're confused or bewildered, let God speak for you. Let your prayers be guided by his words. So even when you're at the point where you don't even have words to say for your situation, look to God and he will give you words. He will put words in your life that you can walk on. Let's read that in Romans 8.26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we, don't, we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So pray in the Spirit. Even when you don't know how to pray, trust God's words to do their perfect work. Uh, another scripture in Job. Job was a guy who had integrity. Integrity is when you are honest and you also have moral principles. 
honesty and moral principles, if you look it up. And, and Job's moral principles were based on the word of God. He had a, he had a lot in his word, enough that uh, in Job 2.3, we read, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil, and still he holds fast to his integrity? Although you incited me against him to destroy him without a cause. So Job was a man of perfect integrity. His, he lived according to the moral principles that came from the word of God. And no matter what we may face, we need to keep our integrity. Being honest and holding fast to the, the, the word of God, the moral principles, what he's instilled in us is what's going to get us there. So who, who has these words of eternal life? Well, let's read in John 6, 66 through 69. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So it's that revelation you got to hold on to. It's realizing even when not everything makes sense to, to us. I mean, we might have some intelligence, but his ways are higher than ours. He is God. We are man. So we need to trust him. He is the one who has the words of eternal life. So hold on to them and don't let them go. When you, doubt, when you doubt yourself, remember who you belong to. Remember, remember what you came from. It was from your creator. Let's read in Romans 8, 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. So this is exciting. We just had a bunch of people that God poured his spirit into, and, and now God's spirit is inside of you, guiding you, and you just receive the spirit, and God takes care of his stuff. He says, okay, here's my spirit. Now you're my house, and I'm going to maintain you because you're my house now. I'm going to take care of you better than anyone else tried to take care of you, better than the world treated you. I'm going to take care of you. You are my house now, and, and you're going to be a blessing. So do you take Take time to take care of your possessions. Take care of your, yourself. Be a good steward because now you're God's property and, and he likes his stuff taken care of. So how much better of a job do you think God will do than this world? He will care for his people. And when you face a season of suffering, remember, Jesus went through more. He's standing on the other side in victory. Remember that glory that will come if we endure. So let's read about that glory. Romans eight seventeen through 18. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. What a great promise to hold on to when you're facing suffering. Remember, God says there's there's a reward. There is glory coming because you are my property. You are doing what I'm asking you to do. 
I've given you words. You're being faithful. You're going to be glorified. I will bring glory in this situation. Romans 8, 17 through 18. Oh, I just read that one. Uh, Romans 8, 35 through 37 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. That's my message for you today. You might not feel like a conqueror, but if you are holding God's truth and your word, and you're pushing through and saying, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but your word says this, and I'm going to do it, you are going to come out on the other side in victory, and you're going to say, I conquered because he brought me through. I made it to the other side of that tightrope because he helped me keep a balance. I, I stayed in when, when I needed to stay in. I trusted in his word. I trusted in his guidance, and you'll make it. So let me leave you with this. No matter your situation, the word of God has the answer. Don't settle for something less than the truth of God's word. It is a solid foundation. It will sustain you. It will prosper you. It will establish your value. It can flow into you and out of you. The word has promises which will be fulfilled. The word will reveal your motives. It will align your purpose. It will fix your perspective. It will define your morals and feed your integrity. It shapes us into the children of God. It proves God's love for us. It equips us to be more than conquerors. It is your lifeline. It has the answers needed to navigate this life to eternity. So no matter what happens, hold fast to the word of God. Let's stand together. I grew up living the word, hearing the word, believing the word. And you believe something sometimes, and then whenever you have an experience, you have to put that word into practice. That word changes for you. How many know you can know something without really knowing it? until you experience something that you had to use that word for. And then that forever changes that word for you. And now you have an experience with that word. What we do sometimes is we open up the altar after service so that you can take what you've heard from the word of God and you can pray over it. And that experiential interaction with the word of God, asking the Lord, let this plant deep in my heart so that I can use it when I need it, so that you know it, but that the word of God is allowed to be planted in you and it becomes something that you can use in an experience and in a moment. Would you bow your heads with me and let's ask God to do that with this word today. Jesus, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the power that it carries. We thank you that it's already anointed before it's even spoken. But we also ask you to help us to put that into our hearts today so that when we come to a point where we need to use it experientially in our life, that we can take it out 
and we can watch you move through it, that we can literally cover gaps in our life with this lifeline, that we can see you help us balance out and regulate, Lord Jesus, in places where we have irregularities. I ask it in the name of Jesus. I want to open this altar right now. If you would come and pray, just let the Lord speak to you about what you heard. Make application somewhere in your life. Maybe you need to sit at your pew and do that. If you need to go, we understand, but would you just take a moment of prayer and just let that word be set. Let it become concrete in your heart, like a place where you can go back to. You can say, he's going to carry me. He's going to get me through. He's going to be the God of faithfulness in my life. He's the God who's trustworthy. I want that in my life. I want that in my life, Jesus. I want to be able to trust you with every bit of my life, every corner, every section. I want to be able to give it all to you, my work life, my home life, my marriage, my children, the care for my children, the protection for my children. All of it I give to you today. Come on, we surrender it to the Lord. Surrender it to the Lord. Let it not be your feet that travel, but let it be the faith of God in your feet that helps you take that walk of faith. In Jesus' name. Stay steadfast, my soul. He's in the waiting. He's in the waiting. And hold on to your hope as your triumph unfolds. He's never failing. He's never failing. Sing praise, my soul, find strength in joy. Let his words lead you on. all he's begun take courage my heart stay steadfast my soul he's in the waiting he's in the waiting and hold on to your hope as your triumph unfolds he's never failing failing you who holds the stars and calls them each by name will surely keep your promise to me Never failing. Oh, take courage, my 
Failing, he's never failed. 